to it. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Let's kick it off. This is our inaugural episode of Post Alone. Hey. We got uh we got Post Dan Sigafoos, Nick uh not Nick Warndorf. We had another friend, Nick Warndorf, that was gonna join but dropped off last second. Yeah, <laughs> and, management. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't get it together. Couldn't get it together. <laughs> and then uh yeah, I'm Blake Darling. Dan, you want to uh, give a quick intro? Yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, I'm Dan Sigafoos, uh, a.k.a. Appalachian Mountain Dan. Uh, I'm called this because I hiked the Appalachian Trail um, through Hiker back in the day. And uh, so, yeah, when I found the Survival Series alone, that was, for me, the go-to show. It still is. It's, like, my favorite show. Naked and Afraid, some of those other ones are cool, too. But for me, this one's just, like, the ultimate. So definitely excited to be on a podcast about it, yeah. Scott, you want to introduce yourself? I'm Eagle Scott. So back in the day, did Boy Scouting, went up to Eagle Scout, kind of dropped off, but always sort of liked hiking, like survival stuff, stayed in touch, shared some of that with my boys here, and in the same way, was really drawn in by alone. Never had the courage to do some of what these guys do, but understand a little bit about it um, from some of that training and also some of the deeper um, kind of mental game from my work, you know, as a, as a psychologist. So do they make you shoot a bow and arrow as a Eagle Scout? Is that part of it? It all depends what, what badges you get. So I did happen to get the archery badge. So I shot that bow and arrow. Um, So depends on what badges you get. So. Okay, gotcha. I did get the Wilderness Survival Badge, so I have at least a pamphlet's See? worth of knowledge, you know, about <laughs> this type of stuff. Uh, yeah. That kind of for a 10 to 12 to maybe even 16-year-old would be would be fitting, but it's, uh, you know, not quite legal to let, let those types of children out there on their own, so we don't have a alone uh junior alone yet so maybe someday we will probably illegal work right. yeah to get there <laughs> that's just the least scouts, you get in the woods yeah. it's just like scouts, mild supervision got to push the limits there so okay. cool so we got we got the psychologist uh specialist we got the through hiker Hiking specialist, personal trainer. I'm going to be coming at this from a fitness perspective. Oh, personal trainer. So also the, the nutrition and the caloric deficit like and all that. Oh, we're definitely like going to be talking there, about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I guess I'm I'm like the generalist of the group. I uh, I I work in tech and I'm helping set up the podcast. But I actually, Dan, we met for the first time on a camping trip in the Devil's Path. That's right. Uh, That's right. In New York years ago. So we kind of share that love of the outdoors and just couple buds like in the show alone you know a tidbit about fishing too because fishing becomes a big part of this series right so that's true i'm from michigan land of many lakes so no catch many a fish yeah yeah cool so this is about alone the show uh which has kind of a unique concept dan you want to give us a quick rundown of how the show works we're and we're, we're talking about episode one season seven right so the show is I believe it's 10 people, right, that they start off. Um, and they're all in an area. They've done Patagonia. They've done, what was the other one, Vancouver Island. Anyway, this one's the Arctic. And um, 
you can tell where they drop them off. It's sort of these desolate areas that um, there's short kind of shrubby stuff, but it's it's pretty pretty gnarly. A lot of folks um, anyway, are there to help them out, right? You know, there's a lot of good big group to support them. Generally, uh, well, no, there's no, no, they're alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that. You're thinking of a different show. All right. So anyway, yeah, this this one's special. Season seven is the first one where they went from a half mil for the winners to a full million dollars, but oh, they gosh. have to make it longer than anyone's. At, no one's ever done it for 100 days ever right there's never been that much push mm-hmm. no i think it was around 80 i was like the max previous yeah thing. so that that's my question though what if like five of them make it 100 days do they get five million dollar payouts to them yeah how much money the does this show took. yeah yeah that was right. the gamble they took they thought hey we'll put it up there above where people have been and assume that low probability people will get that far um it is insane start, if you think about it. I just they did start them earlier in the year. You noticed than they did in past seasons. That was one thing I noticed. That they gave them more fall time or late right. summer time than uh, before. It seemed like they started kind of late fall. It was already creeping into winter. So they did have some good weeks of uh, relatively warmer temperatures. That is. It seems like the challenge is kind of like twofold because you get the initial. You know. Uh, when they show up, there might be more abundant fish, but then as winter comes, uh, things get colder and the animals move and everything changes and your old strategy might not work. So things dry it really out, yeah. is like, and, and we're talking about a third of a year, like nearly. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a lot. Um, and it's, uh, so yeah, you're talking about, and if they search you in mid season fall, you're going into winter. Predators, big and small, parasites, all those things kind of. Yeah, but in in past seasons, it always kind of turns at the end into just a starve fest, you know? Like, it it gets cold as hell, it freezes over. And then the first season, especially, was toughened up, just kind of gritting your way through it with the guy in the uh, the tent eating the mice and the other guy eating the lipids who actually won, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, true. I think it's evolved, but people, they said within the community, right, have been learning and evolving from watching the show and kind of it's changed kind of in and of itself just by being a, a, its own entity, right? It's evolved, I think, as well. So in, in season seven, we got the real overachiever experts. And uh, <laughs> I was going to ask, aren't a lot of these people, it seems like the, I don't know, the, the one guy who actually went out was like a YouTube star, wasn't he? Wasn't well, many that of them of... are doing what they what they call bushcraft, right? Or primitive skills, yeah. or they're leading trips into the um, wilderness. Wasn't the guy? Like so that, that leads so. us in. They, they episode one is kind of like they introduce some of the characters and kind of like talk about their backstories. And the first one, which I think is the guy you're talking about, Dan Sean. That's yeah, who they exactly. kick off. He, uh, you know, yeah, who's great personality. Hot tub, hot tub, redneck, lost pharaoh rad dude, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just and just like plays the camera. He's like, I'm having the best day, you know, like all oh, this. Yeah, great. he goes through some ups and downs for sure. Yeah, um, all that shitty phone and stuff. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But <laughs> but yeah, the um, I always like the the first episode is always partic- like I've watched all the seasons. So now when you watch the first episode, half of what you're doing is evaluating out of these couple people they show you who's going to bite it because you know it's going to be one of them. 
it's just part of the deal is that one of these people is going down because they have to introduce, you know, give them like some prime time. Yeah. Some. Well, they've, they've done a different job in recent seasons on, especially in this season, of focusing more on specific characters, not feeling the need to get absolutely everybody into every episode. So that's been something where they, I think they've evolved to, where they try to give you more of a focused look of somebody's progress over a particular time period. Yeah. Um, so you might have, you know, three characters in one episode and three characters in another episode. But so. there's, yeah, Dan, there's always, there's always that person that starts out real hot, real cocky, arrogant, well, there, and then just I totally mean, blows it day one totally. or two or whatever. Well, who is it? The one guy, the hunter guy, he was talking about, he's like, I'm going to kill everything out here. I'm going to be eating all, you know, like coming real yeah. yeah. Well, in another yeah. season, yeah. there's the guy that was like, I'm not one of those one with nature, hippy dippy type. I'm out here to fight nature. And then he immediately just like slips on a rock, breaks his leg, and he's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Disharmonious yeah. from day one. Yeah. Nature doesn't care. But yeah. but Sean started out great. He he immediately killed a porcupine, got himself a big old pot of porcupine stew. He found he a did. boat and made a hot yeah. tub. Like that's one yeah. of the greatest starts in alone history. And then all that, and then he found like the shot. He had like seven things or in something the, in the outtakes. Yeah, all the extra stuff: the gun, the shovel, the can. Right, a lot of different things that could have been useful um, had he not lost the most useful. Right. <laughs> they all, right. Yeah, we got to talk about that because, first of all, he went back and he looked for it. I mean, he did spend a fair amount of time looking for it. Did he? he? He spent like well, a no, few hours. Fair, no. <laughs> when fair means a million dollars, yeah. wouldn't you just keep looking for that until you couldn't look for that anymore? Right. And then well, he recapped it a little bit least. in the post alone, and he said that what he was most scared about was the, the bears, and you saw him earlier. But that's, that I'm sorry, real, he's a waste yeah. of a of a space on that show because there's so many survival experts that aren't going to be scared of the bears, right? Like, that's kind of well, one-on-one. I mean, what he was doing around his home was very technically savvy, right? But it didn't kind of speak to the, I guess, greater... The practical courage, experience. You know, practical courage, right, that comes from being alone, right? Distant from support and, yeah, yeah. you know, confronted with nature and some of the... Uh, the pressures of that but he was this is what I, when i hiked when i hiked the at yeah. scott that was everything so like i went out as a guy and the first night i'm in maine go to bed every sound i hear is a bear guaranteed yeah. a bear i'm freaking out you know and then, right. but then after over time you actually learn what these sounds are it's like oh that's deer or that's squirrel or whatever uh and so you sort of hone your fears like your fear right. becomes more reasonable but I don't have a setting for Wolverine in my like makeup. Right, right yeah, now. your the repertoire. Idea each like, each environment you come into, right, requires an acclimation or some adaptation to adaptation to that. Uh, but that Dan, didn't didn't you do some city. camping in Alaska where you were like hunting ptarmigan with a friend or something, and then you uh, you you saw a grizzly bear or prince or something, or didn't that happen? We did. We yeah, that was that was hiking. We saw like. We were going into the mountains. Again, this is off topic, but into the mountains, look back about like two football fields back, a Kodiak grizzly, which is the biggest grizzly bears in the world, is lumbering around after we just hunted a ptarmigan, which is like a small pheasant bird. Yeah, I don't know what that is. 
And um, so we were flipping our, sh- we were freaking out thinking, you know, okay, this bear clearly smells this. And so we kept hiking. Did we, this sounds totally unreasonable. Like, why would you ever be out there? But it was summertime. The salmon run was going on and the bears were all down, gorging their bellies on salmon. People in the mountains weren't like top of the list priority. So, but yeah, that, that was. Uh, but so you know what that feels like though, to be like out in the woods and you know, like there's some big animals out there. Like, yeah. 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 And like I said, every sound, if you're paranoid is the thing you fear. That's, that's, I totally, when these people are scared in their tents, um, I know you were saying like as a survivalist, these guys have to be over it. I don't know that I'd be over it because it's none of them, but it's the Arctic, you know? Well, I was, that's what probably kind of thinking about Presumably. your experience thought me, got me thinking about Joe, right? Who works sort of his job is to be out in forest management and confronting nature. So he definitely took a different tact in how he approached certain things. Uh, and I saw certainly his, uh, you know, fear level was, was below some of the others because it seemed like he was more comfortable in those remote settings. Yeah. He might, um, he might be the other end of the spectrum where he's a little, he's a little too comfortable out there. He's, he's running towards the yeah. bears. He's, he's taking cold water plunges day one, totally unnecessary, yeah. not even like dirty he's, yet. Just yeah, he's in it, right? very <laughs> confident. Yeah. Very confident. Um, so, yeah, I kept waiting for someone to do something ridiculous, like on the first one, like, all right, the helicopter, because, you know, they're always like filming themselves watching the helicopter flying away. They're like, right, this is it. Yeah. And then I keep waiting for someone to be like, all right, I'm going to get naked. I'm going to lay down for 30 minutes. <laughs> not going to do a thing. You know? <laughs> Everyone's well, like, we yeah. saw a big time booger thinking about that, right, from Ellen. Uh, and that was pretty gross, right? So you just kind of put it out there. I'm going to let go of some of the trappings of uh, modern decorum here and, and just uh, shoot a snot rocket out here. So that was that was definitely something I um, – she just wanted to make sure everyone knew she had, you know, somebody she was, she was close to who cared about her, right, and that she wasn't out here for any attention. She's out here for – the pure survival focus, right? And that, uh, that yeah, was, that that was like a, yeah. a a brash display of bravado, and then she balanced that out with a yeah. a lot of sensitivity when she killed that that rabbit, and then started, mm-hmm. you know, getting yeah. Emotional. The cry, the crying after killing thing was an interesting for me because I always I you halfway wonder if um, first of all you presume these people all hunt regularly and have a relationship to hunting. Right. That would make it so... You've gone through that before, right? And it's not the first yeah. time, yeah. You'd think, right? But I, I don't know. Like, as uh, Do you guys get the sense that there's... This also happened in past episodes where people have been ultra-sensitive about killing animals. But I wonder how much is pandering to cameras and how much is like a genuine bereavement for this life well, which is a very reasonable perspective but i don't know that that's the most useful perspective i mean I know, you, you have the like two i think that's on. something that everyone confronts maybe kind of the first time that happens you know the first time they can they, yeah first couple maybe but then you'd like pardon or become more utilitarian to, about yeah, it separate those out yeah those things out that create a a deeper purpose. Um, but it is right. tough too, that here you are doing something for survival, but you're also surviving for money. So it's not like you're just out there, 
surviving for survival's sake. You're surviving as a contest. Um, so you didn't have to be out there killing those animals if you didn't want to, right? You're out there but doing it to that's get a million bucks. The game. That's the whole. Like, <laughs> yeah. why did you? Yeah. Yeah, but I, I see I, these I see, as two. I think there's head and heart here. Yeah, know? these are two two strategies that are kind of patterns in every season, right? Where there's sort of like the red blooded macho kind of like Roland, the hunter dude. Right. That's like, I'm against nature, mano a mano. It's me versus nature. I'm going to like kill or be killed. And then you have the more kind of like empathetic, hyper in tune in touch, kind of like I'm one with nature. I'm feeling a part of the land and like mm-hmm. so grateful to everything it's providing and trying like to like the understand indigenous it. versus the invader. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And like you have these tropes in every season and like, yeah, Keelan and Roland are kind of, well, Keelan starts out kind of tough, but just, I mean, when she killed that rabbit, it was a cute little rabbit and it made a pretty terrible squeak when she killed it. <laughs> that was, that was yeah, I don't care who you are. It was a little hairy. It was a little hairy. Yeah. All right. So we got, we got Sean hot tub time machine, Joe, uh, charging the bear, and then Keelan, snot rocket, crying rabbit, and then uh, let me, let me, let me throw got? something out here, Blake, just as a curiosity towards our psychology uh, specialist here. Uh, Scott, how long do most people... First of all, does the camera... You know in um, Castaway, uh, Tom... What's his name? What's the actor? Tom, Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Oh. Tom Hanks had that volleyball, and that was like Wilson. It became a thing. Right. He had a relationship with it. Is For the sure. camera is the camera Wilson? And how much I think loneliness so. can we uh, actually like push off just by you know chatting? Well, I definitely, I definitely do think that yeah, man. that talking talking to yourself right in terms of psychology is is a concept that you try to hone to make a better relationship um, with your emotions and which with your surroundings. And I think that certainly that camera has to have some effect in allowing them to create some grounding or some contact with um, an audience, even though that that audience might not see that for for some time. But this is something that's recorded. This is something that's um, historical record in that sense. But I I feel like it becomes a journal, like it becomes a friend. It's, It's not just like they know that this is being recorded or that it's for the audience. It's like, like Dan was saying, for some people, it becomes like a therapy. Like it's, it's something to well, unload right. all that, your emotions. On that's too. apt, right? That comparison with journaling, that that's something where people kind of organize and collect their thoughts. So you're seeing, certainly we kind of get an edited perspective. Uh-huh. And at the end, you see some of the extra outtakes, but I'm sure there's plenty of footage we don't see. Um, but it has to be a, a process where people are kind of going through those emotions taking an inventory and uh, and refocusing themselves right and I, I see am sometimes curious, people breaking honestly. down sometimes people giving themselves pep talks um i'm curious Scott, kinda... how often i don't know what the, their rules are you know obviously there's like a whole team and they prep them on like cameras setting them up how much I, I think i bet you they have to be filming themselves like 99 percent of the time i bet you it's Tons of well, you footage. do see that certain people are more interested in filming than others, right? That there are people that they just don't have as much film for, it seems like, or maybe they weren't as skilled, so they aren't as featured as often. So there's definitely people who are have better skills with it and are more, I mean, 
mean, I think you're exactly right. They certainly give coaching and, and training to each person, but then pe- each person has their own kind of aptitude for that uh, and their own uh, photogenic um, sort of qualities as well. Yeah, no doubt. And I can tell you from my experiences doing, you know, YouTube stuff for fitness or whatever, the person you present to it, like the person who talks to a camera right now, I'm looking at both you guys. I feel like I'm in touch with my, you know, social self or whatever. But when it's no one, but just this blank black glass looking black back at you. And maybe you a viewfinder to, or like a little bit of a framing, but. Oh, maybe they do. Yeah, they probably do. That's true. It depends because they do, they go back and forth right between the GoPro, you know, which is the ultra light and then the bigger camera equipment, but still very limited. Um, but yeah, just feedback, this fact yeah. that like you, you're, you're used to like being a personality based on those around you. So like you guys say something and then I'm going to vibe or not or whatever. But when you're all alone and all you have is a camera, like from my personal experience, it's hard to be quote like yourself. You're going to be some version of, but yeah. it's like, you might feel like you're like gregaria. And that's where a guy like Sean, that guy who lost it, yeah. but can just be super personable in front of the camera. It's like we're his friend, like we're hanging out. Yeah. But imagine if you're Arctic, imagine, you know? imagine, like, imagine well, after like right? yeah. 10 hours versus, of doing that versus Roland who had lived a more solitary life and had more sort of, tumultuous maybe interpersonal relationships like prior to that um now that affects how they present on camera and maybe how much they're affected by that isolation so yeah speaking of uh, roland uh dan how applicable are uh dumbbell curls to survival in your professional opinion (laughs) for me for me personally if i was out in this situation I 100% would do movement, like physical, stretchy. I, I probably wouldn't be like exercising because I know that like if I'm Calorie doing burn, pump, yeah. pump and push-ups, but I would definitely like do some kind of like yogic flow. And I'm not like a big yogi guy or whatever. I'm just saying that I think a movement um, routine or practice in your day can do a lot in the way of your well-being mentally. Mm-hmm. And for people – that don't do that you're just waking up and you're stiff and you're lumbering around and it's cold and you like, do see I, some I just, participants who engage in ex- some exercise they're like they know that that's part of the routine they know that's part of their personality and i think that aspect of routine you know psychologically is important too that people try to create some semblance of normalcy through that routine uh, i think that gets yeah. them through psychologically as well whether it's the checking of the traps or doing something like exercise or having that morning tea or breakfast or whatever it is, you know, that's certainly something that, um, yeah. Yeah. The ritualistic nature of it for sure. Just to keep, uh, yeah. Feeling of like groundedness. So you got to balance that mental well being with just like the brutal practicality of it's calories in calories out and you're just wasting away. Right. God, right point. now, it seems like, I don't know, I'm sure it's a highlight, you know, first episode, they got to show everybody hunting and killing everything, which just, all right, quick tangent. How about the freaking dude who 
who killed the squirrel with a rock throwing it at him. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what? Joe, like, I was saying, I was saying, hey, dude. this guy must have been great at the county fair, right? Hitting those bottles, right? Like he was, he must a have. It's so small and it's going to move. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I thought it was crazy when they could hunt it with the bow and arrow in the previous seasons. Imagine yeah. that guy on the uh, the beer pong table, you know? He must be a ringer. <laughs> Just a Just legend. Taking him down. Yeah. <laughs> Lining him up. Yeah. It's but, like, oh. Ant over there. <laughs> I, I remember when he first was like, yeah, I'm not a hunter. I didn't bring a bow. I was like, who is this joker? And then he just grabs a rock and knocks just lunch out of a tree. <laughs> He's yeah. uh, He's like, yeah, this is a good call. <laughs> well, I think that's true too, right? People just, there's opportunity, right? There's planning and there's also opportunity. So they talk about that when people get dropped in and they get kind of this feeling of uh, paralysis based on that sudden experience of being alone and how people respond to that. But you can have the best laid plans, right? And then things can go sideways. And so being able to take care, take advantage of those opportunities when they come along okay. um, certainly is Question, is are, are ants an opportunity that you should jump on, Scott? What do you think? The ant guy. Uh, well, I mean, they're low calorie source, right? But ants in your pants can certainly get you moving. That's true. Yeah, so I think that. Yeah, instead of eating them, just, just yeah, harvest you them. Put them like, down there, right? And then just kind of get you going to keep moving along, right? That's, uh, that's another I just, thing. For, for I was me, saying, I too, like, like, I remember snack wise, I was big into ants on a log, but celery, peanut butter, and raisins is a little bit different than. Uh, you know, are they allowed to bring some initial rations? Isn't that like a thing in previous they episodes? Were, like they, they were able they to bring get, like a cup, like a limited so yeah, amount celery, of like chocolate or <laughs> or nutrition bars, but it was pretty limited. Yeah, I think you can check out on the on the website what the specific rations are, but it is it's quite like restrictive. A, a little yeah. whiskey, a little a whiskey, a little wine. If you, if know, you could bring yeah, five, uh, uh, like of something to eat, Dan, I think I know what you're gonna say, but uh, what would it be? Ooh, well, yeah, the irony is it would just be like all the meats, really. Uh, the protein would be the biggest thing that your body is going to need. And it's breaking down. Snickers, so. though. That, that's, where, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's where I was going Snickers with that. Because you're hungry, you don't want to <laughs> wait. And then, the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why yeah, wait? That seems fair. Why wait? Okay, I want, I want to talk about this. The, the double-edged sword of catching food out there always kind of freaks me out in historically, you know, uh, and this wasn't from this episode, but in seasons past, somebody will be out there just railing fish, pulling yeah. fish and they'll come home with like a whole stringer full of them. And they'll have this plan of like saving some and some. Yeah. Or the and limpets. These guys, what about the limpets? Just, just snacking on limpets unlimited. The lim- but, but for me, like the double edged sword is that you catch all this delicious food, like the big a porcupine or whatever. And now the animals, the most, the ones, the last ones that you want to be around are going to smell it. And you now are living with the thing they want more than anything. It's, that seems terrifying at night. Yeah. After a big feast, I think I'd be scared. Right. And people, they're down on energy and they want to create caches and things like that. But we see that, Hey, that that's imperfect, right? It doesn't always work out. 
Yeah. Yeah, but they're in such a remote place that, like, you think about it. I, I mean, yeah, I, I get why, like, in your head, why that's so scary. But the actual risk, I think, like, you're such an alien presence in this environment, and you're so, like, everything that you're around has your scent on it. And, like, I think for the most – well, actually, in past seasons, there's a lot of interactions with, like, you know, cougars and – mountain lions and bears and all that but i i I don't know i just think that like the actual risk is not as bad as the fear you know what do you think doing a see if imagine a season goes off and someone gets eaten by a bear do they just cancel that's what i'm saying and pretend like like it never happened pay everybody out like don't talk about this think think about the insurance (laughs) it's a real there's gonna be a lot of fine print you know in that uh agreement that you signed yeah yeah agreed Yeah, that was another guy in a in an earlier season that was real tough. He was a police officer. It was like, I deal with the worst kinds of things you see on a day-to-day basis. I'm not afraid of bears. And then on the very first night, he has like a bear tapping on his <laughs> tent and taps, just calls immediately. Oh, dude. Right, yeah. The concept. I, I was thinking of a similar thing for you, Blake. Like you being from Michigan and your relationship to Wolverines – in kind of the more abstract versus <laughs> having to deal with Wolverines up close and personal. Right. Um, yeah. Well, the Wolverines I'm used to aren't, aren't very scary these days. You know, they're a, they're a shadow of their former selves. <laughs> unfortunately. All right. But, but, but on a, for real note, which demographic? So like, I imagine the, the police officer probably had that close encounter with what he thought was death. And he probably thought of his closest kin. You know, he's probably got kids. He's got a wife. I'm curious, in in one of the earlier um, parts of the episode, I can't remember exactly who the woman's name is right now, but there was a woman who was saying, like, I really want to prove how, you know, strong and, you know, my fortitude as a woman and prove that all women can do this. What do you guys think actually is the strongest demographic to go out is it the young single guy is it the married guy with like a family who he needs to provide for is it the woman who has something to prove 